to this morning, our sermon is called Rain, Sleet, or Snow. Uh, seems to be a, a little bit appropriate. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 9, verses 29 through 36. Luke 9, 29 through 36. Let me ask you a question. How big is Jesus? How big is Jesus? Poland, uh, Peru, Bolivia, Brazil, they all have statues of Jesus that are more than 100 feet tall. Big Jesuses. I think the, the largest, tallest statue of Jesus in the United States, I'm pretty sure, is in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. But it's only about 65.5 feet tall, which led a legal scholar years ago to ask this question, where is our giant Jesus? How can we be the world's superpower with only little Jesuses? Good question. You know, every now and then I'm at the stoplight and I'll see somebody in the car next to me and they'll have one of those little plastic Jesuses on their dashboard, you know? And, and as we sit here in the middle of this, you know, winter storm watch, this winter storm warning, the, the words of that old folk song from years ago kind of ring in my mind. I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. Yeah! Yeah, the dashboard Jesus is interesting, right? He's just right there looking at you all day. So how big is your Jesus? 100 feet of, of concrete up in the sky or, or three feet of plastic reaching up towards your rearview mirror? You know, there's a plastic Jesus and a concrete Jesus, but, but what about the real Jesus? What, what about the real thing? Lig Duncan asked this, is the Jesus you worship big enough to overshadow everything in life? Everything. Is he bigger than family problems, bigger than football games, bigger than health issues, bigger than political issues? Is he bigger than rain, sleet, or snow? One day Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he was with some of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And, and I want to invite you into that moment for a little bit. It's a big enough moment. It's a moment that's big enough to give your heart and your mind and your soul the hope and the peace and the joy that you are longing for right now, that your heart is thirsty and hungry for. Let's look at that kind of hope. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 29. Dr. Luke records it this way. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. This wasn't an, an oxyclean moment. This wasn't like Jesus had his church clothes and they were a little brighter than normal. No, Jesus was different. The same Jesus, you could still recognize him, but, but he was different. He was, he was radically different. He was radiant. He was beaming. He was glowing. It was beyond anything that anyone had ever seen. It was awe-inspiring. It was jaw-dropping. You know, when Toto the dog pulled the curtain back on the wizard, the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, it was discovered that he was just 
a man. But that day on the mountain, when the curtain was pulled back just a little bit, it was discovered that Jesus was not a man, that Jesus was and is God. That's what happened on the mountain. It's been said that this is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. His ability to suppress his awesomeness, his flashing like lightness, to suppress it so that no one could see that it was a miracle. I have a friend who's expecting a a little baby boy. In fact, that little baby boy was supposed to join the world this week, but I guess he heard it was just going to be freezing rain, so he just decided to hang out a little longer. Now, imagine in four or five weeks, her husband is in the, you know, Dashboard Jesus store, and he bumps into a childhood buddy he hadn't seen in a few years. And his childhood buddy says, hey, man, how you doing? Anything new? Everything going all right? And he says, nah, you know, same old, same old, nothing new. No, he's not going to say that. At the very least, he's going to say, hey, man, keep it down. I haven't slept in four weeks, okay? Just come on. I'm, I'm here at the Dashboard Jesus store hoping this Dashboard Jesus is going to help me get some sleep. But more than likely, what he's going to do, he's going to pull out his phone, and he's going to show him the 243 pictures he's taken of his son since breakfast that morning. You see, there, there's something about a, a baby that pushes a parent to burst with joy. Jesus was bursting with glory. He was bursting with majesty. There was something about this moment that goes beyond comprehension. It was pure awesomeness. And the reality is there's there's no way that we can describe that Jesus somehow in, in some kind of miraculous way normally suppressed all of that so that people wouldn't go blind around him. There's really no way to explain it, not in human terms. There's, there's just something about this moment that is unexplainable. But make no mistake, one day the curtain is not going to be pulled back a little bit on Jesus. It's going to be pulled back all the way. And every single person in all of creation, past, present, and future, they will see Jesus as he truly is in all of his power, all of his majesty, all of his glory. And believers, well, believers will see him like that forever and ever and ever. That's what happened up on the mountain. You see, the the wizard helped Dorothy a little bit the wizard kind of helped Dorothy move in the direction of understanding there's no place like home there's no place like home there's no place like home but on the mountain this moment Jesus helped his disciples see and know and experience there's no one like Jesus there's no one like Jesus there's no one like Jesus no one So Jesus is up on the mountain. He's praying. Some other things are happening. He looks different. His disciples, Peter, James, and John, are there. And and some other guys showed up too. Listen to verse 30. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish 
at Jerusalem. So two of the most important men in all of the Bible, well, they showed up on the mountain too. And it was Moses, the man of God's law. It was Elijah, God's prophet. And they were shiny, but they weren't shiny like Jesus. And why did they show up? We don't really know. But, but there's a sense to this moment. See, Jesus was about to perform the very purpose of why he came from heaven to earth. His arrest, the the crucifixion was right around the corner. So it's almost as if God is listening to his prayers up on the mountain and in kindness, he's encouraging him. It's almost like he's letting him let down his majestic hair for a moment, helping him to enjoy some of his majesty and power and glory just for a moment before he takes on the sin of the entire world. And maybe just encourage him a little more in in extra kindness. He sends two precious saints to encourage him. And what were they encouraging him about? Well, the scripture says they were encouraging him about what he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. In other words, they were talking to him about the cross. You see, Moses, he had his day. And Elijah had his day. They did some pretty incredible things by God's power and strength and grace. But this is Jesus. We're talking about Jesus here. Not talking about Moses, not talking about Elijah. This this is Jesus. The work that they had done was temporary, and it mattered, and it met needs at a certain period of time. But Jesus and the work that he was going to do on the cross, his work was going to be permanent, and it was going to be lasting. It was going to last forever. Have you ever been around somebody who's, who's living in the glory days, you know, living in those glory days of high school, those glory days of college, trying to, trying to relive the, with their little tiny flashlight that, that little experience, that little time where they had something that mattered? Well, Moses and Elijah, these guys had some legitimate glory days, right? I, I mean, Moses, he read, led maybe, I don't know, a million or so people out of 400 years of slavery. That looks pretty good on a resume. Elijah, he flew up to heaven on a chariot of fire. That's the ultimate mic drop moment right there. I mean, no one has ever left a room like that. Moses rescued people, saved people, but those people eventually died. But Jesus, Jesus has made a way for people to be fully and finally and ultimately rescued from sin and never die again, live forever, eternal life. Elijah, boy, he had had some dramatic flair as he went to heaven, but Jesus owns heaven. There's no comparison between these men. Moses and Elijah are Moses and Elijah, but Jesus is Jesus And there is no one like Jesus. Peter, James, and John were about to find that out. Listen to verse 32. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep. But when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. You ever had this happen to you? You know, you're you're praying and, and you remember those first few sentences 
but then you, you kind of nodded off after that, not, not really sure what happened next. But that seems to be what happened to the guys here. They, they went up on the mountain with Jesus. They were good, you know. And then they saw Jesus kind of walk off, or wander off a little bit to go pray somewhere, and they're good, you know, they're dialed in. But, but the farther Jesus walked off, they were just like, out. But then this this glory, this, this majesty was happening all around them. They, they realized that there was some kind of clatter and they sprang to see what was the matter and, and what to their wondering eyes did appear. They had no clue. <laughs> they had no clue what they were seeing. They were excited and they were terrified. They were clapping with joy and they were cowering with fear. They saw a shiny Moses, a shiny Elijah, and a super, super shiny Jesus. And they were speechless. They didn't know what to think. Well, they weren't speechless for long. Peter finally spoke up. Listen to what Peter said to Jesus. Verse 33. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he was not realizing what he was saying. I love this moment. You can hear Peter, right? <gasps> yes, yes. This, this is good. This is my kind of Messiah right here. Let's, let's quit all the talk about death and the cross and all. Let's quit that. Let's make a Christian retreat center right here. And, and we'll name the chapel after Jesus because he's holy. We'll name the gymnasium after Elijah because, you know, he's, he's good with chariot races. And, you know, Moses, he's okay with fire. And so we're going to have a, a gas grill and a gas stove. We'll call the cafeteria after Moses. Oh, and over here, we can put a 200-foot statue of Jesus. It'll be great. And over here, let's make a souvenir shop. And, and we can have shelves where you can get a, a dashboard Jesus or a dashboard Moses or a dashboard Elijah and, and some saltwater taffy. Oh, this is going to be great. Can't you just see it? He's so pumped, so excited. But here's what's really happening in this moment. Have you ever been around somebody and they say something and you're thinking to yourself, did they realize they just said that out loud? Peter was saying all of this out loud. Oh, hey, let's build some buildings for y'all and we'll put a, a bronze plaque on the front that'll have your name on it and I'll be in charge of construction. But see, Peter's missing what's happening. Look, Moses, Elijah, brave and courageous. But there's only one hero. And the hero is Jesus. And Jesus doesn't need a building. He doesn't need a statue. And he doesn't need a souvenir shop. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like Jesus. But Peter was missing that in this moment. We never do that, do we? <laughs> we never miss Jesus in a moment, right? We never are more focused on our, our family or, or our hobbies or our sports or, or work or, or, or the, the weather report. You know, we're never focused on something else and lose focus on Jesus, right? Peter meant well. But he was missing what was happening, but not for long. Listen to verse 34. While he was saying this, 
a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. In the blink of an eye, everything goes from bright lights, big city, to like a scene out of the legend of Sleepy Hollow, just a a thick, scary fog. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. They just woke up, okay? They're, They're a little groggy. They, they've seen immediately some, some heavenly, dazzling things that they can't explain. And then immediately next, they can't even see their hand in front of their face. And usually in moments like that, a loud voice from the sky does not calm your nerves. In other words, this moment has some appropriate fear. This moment is is one of those moments where Peter, James, and John, they really needed to understand they were part of something outside of themselves. It was a blanket of trembling, a blanket of fear, but it was also a blanket of hope. It was like a a cloud, like a winter storm cloud, and it was a, a cloud to calm them down, to silence them, and to help them listen. And once God got their attention, what did he say to them? This is what he said. He said, it's not Moses. It's not Elijah. Jesus, he's the one. He's the Messiah. He's my son. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the savior of the world. He's the chosen savior. Listen to him. Listen to him. It's as if God was telling them, look, I I know you saw some really cool stuff up here, but but don't get distracted with that. Don't, Don't be distracted with the amazing, wonderful, mesmerizing things you saw. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Someone said this, it's easy to get distracted with good things that fall short of Jesus Christ. It's easy. We, we all get distracted. We get distracted with, with good things. But as Christians, we have to fight the good fight to not get distracted with good things to the point that we take our eyes off of Jesus. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Rain, sleep, or snow, or anything else, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So what happened when the smoke cleared? Listen to verse 36. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. So the radiant light was gone. The mesmerizing, scary cloud was gone. Moses and Elijah gone all of it was gone and the Bible says there was only one thing left and how appropriate after all the fun and all the fear were gone the only thing left for them was Jesus just Jesus 
Peter, James, and John, they found out on that mountain on that day that Jesus is big enough. Lick Duncan asked this, if your Jesus isn't big enough to live for and die for, he's not the real Jesus. You've made a Jesus from your own imagination and you've whittled him down to size. But in the great crisis of life, in your losses, if you'll worship the real Jesus, he's big enough for everything and anything all the time. So, I give you this one simple question. How big is your Jesus? How big is your Jesus? Thank you.